to the passage we heard earlier in Isaiah. Comfort, oh comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her turn. A voice cries out, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. This passage, of course, is one we hear every year. If not in our chosen lectionary readings, we hear it in the opening pieces of the panels inside. If these lines weren't poetic enough, setting them to music certainly puts them over the top. The lyricism makes these verses sound like something magical, or something supernatural. Something is happening that is so spectacular, so transcendent, that it will turn valleys into mountains and mountains into valleys. Will turn sweet into bitter and bitter into sweet. But I want to spin these verses a little differently for you. Rather than being mystical, these verses are about road construction. Boring old road construction. Except at the time it was old. These verses are about new road construction. Exciting new, world-changing road construction. This passage in Isaiah was written some 500 years before the birth of Christ by the prophet Isaiah. The, to the Jewish people who had been exiled to Babylon. You may recall that Judah had been conquered by Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, and the city of Jerusalem, along with Solomon's temple, had been destroyed. And many of the Jews were taken from their homes and exiled to Babylon. Some 70 years later, about three generations later, the Babylonian Empire itself was overthrown, this time by the Persian Empire. Now, at its peak, the Persian Empire was quite large, extending from modern-day Greece and Turkey through the Middle East, Syria, Israel, Iraq, all the way to Afghanistan and Pakistan. An empire this large can be hard to manage. And so the Persian rulers developed a system of roads, or highways actually, to facilitate communication and commerce throughout the empire. These roads were described by the ancient Greek historian Herodotus, who referred to them as the royal road. He described a system of couriers who conveyed messages from one end of the empire to the other, some 1,700 miles uh, in just over one week. Of them, he wrote that famous line that neither snow nor rain nor heat nor blue or night stays these couriers from the swift completion of their appointed rounds, what we now consider the creed of our postal service. He also described that there were rest stops settled along these roads where couriers and travelers could rest, have lodging, get food and water for themselves, some fodder or fuel for their animals. These roads were, in fact, an ancient interstate. But this interstate highway system with couriers and rest stops, that all came just a bit later. Isaiah wrote these verses before this full network of roads was in place. Rather, this was written when those roads were being built. And you know what that means. Hills were being bulldozed, dirt was being brought in to level up the low places. Lane markings, road signs, and big work that they tunnels other cities. <laughs> Alright, nobody heard that. But valleys were being lifted up, and mountains were being made low. Uneven ground was being made level, and rough places made plain. Roads were being built, and they were changing the world around them. So when I say this verse is, Comfort, oh comfort my people, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid. Isaiah is proclaiming to the Jewish people that their time in exile is over, that they should return to their home in Jerusalem. He is speaking of redemption, of a return from exile, a return to the covenant of the Lord, a return to peace, to shalom. 
And this return is aided by, is facilitated by, the new burgeoning roads of the Persian Empire, the latest and greatest technology. These roads, a tool for communication, a tool for commerce, even a tool for military conquest, were also a tool for justice, a tool for reconciliation, and a tool for peace. So with the support of the Persian king, Cyrus the Great, and by way of these new roads through the wilderness, the Jews did return to Jerusalem. But they did not exactly return home. For starters, in the roughly 70 years that they had been in exile, a few generations had passed. The people who returned to Jerusalem were not the people who had left. Nevertheless, the nostalgia that the exiled Jews had suffered and shared with their children had no doubt built up an expectation or an ideal of what it would be to return to Jerusalem. But the fact remains that they returned to a city that had essentially been destroyed and a temple that had been demolished. So as they rebuilt their home, as they rebuilt the temple, they also developed new traditions, new stories, and a new sense of identity. The return from exile was not a return to their old life, but it was a return to the promise, to the covenant that God had made with their ancestors. But then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. So when Mark writes about John the Baptist, or John the Hipster, proclaiming his baptism of repentance, about John being a voice in the wilderness to prepare the way of the Lord, he is reminding his readers of that exile and redemption that happened 500 years earlier. Because he's telling the story of a new redemption. This fall, we've been commemorating the 500 years since the Reformation, reminding ourselves that we have been reformed and are always being reformed. And I think what Mark is doing in this passage is reminding his readers that they have been returned from exile and are always being returned from exile. They have been redeemed and are always being John, of course, is preaching of a new redemption, a new return to exile. And once again, it is not a return to the old life, not a return to the former glory. For once again, the landscape has changed. The new covenant will restore justice, not just for Israel, but for all the nations. The new covenant will bring reconciliation, not just for some, but for all. It is a return to Shalom, a return to promise. For there is no longer Jew or Greek, there is no longer slave or free, there is no longer male and female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. Prepare the way of the Lord. This is a command, this is a calling. In our world today, we are charged to prepare the way of the Lord. The landscape continues to change around us, and we are called to use whatever tools we have at our disposal to restore justice and to promote peace. The hipsters around us, like John the Baptist, are constantly excited about every new piece of technology some new software or gadget, evangelizing about how it will change our lives. It's impossible to keep pace. And some gadgets and technologies wither and fade are quickly replaced with something newer and shinier, while others really grab hold, changing our landscape. In the last decade, we've seen Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, iPhones all emerge, first as fun distractions and cool gadgets, ways to share pictures of our past with the whole world. Only because powerful tools that can be used to organize revolutions and manipulate elections. Right now, there's a lot of buzz about machine intelligence, specifically machine learning. This is a new form of artificial intelligence where computers are able to learn how to perform tasks. Instead of a programmer writing a program that the computer follows, now a program is given a lot of data that it can learn for itself the patterns in that data. So, for example, many of you are on Facebook. I know because I'm trying to do something on Facebook. For many years, we can post pictures on Facebook. 
Serve the term. 